Here we go. You're listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel on December the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we're doing on Wednesdays right now is going through the book of Proverbs. This will be the third lesson that we had. The first one, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, simply gave a general view of the Proverbs of Solomon, king of Israel. And it was to know wisdom, which means to know the Lord himself, and that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Whereas fools who are unbelievers despise wisdom and instruction. Then last week we did Proverbs 1, 8 to 19, which begins, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Now that particular passage was all about how sinners entice you, do not consent with them. And the main point it was making is verse 18. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. You see, that's what happened to Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. They weren't listening to God. They weren't listening to wisdom. They listened to the fool, Satan. And therefore, they lay in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. In fact, verse 19 really summarizes, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So now we're going to go to Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. This is referred to as the first poem of wisdom, first poem. The second one is in chapter 8, and the third one is in chapter 19. And we'll explain in a little bit how this is a poem. But it begins with the word wisdom. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. Now, the first word wisdom, I'll just say it, is in an abstract plural, which means it should be personified. The word wisdom here just doesn't mean knowing knowledge about God. It's really talking about God himself. And who, of course, is wisdom in the Bible? It's none other than Jesus Christ, who cries aloud publicly in the street. And in the markets, that's the open squares, she raises her voice. Now, some people are saying, well, wait a minute, what's this she? The fact of the matter is, is that in Hebrew, Nouns can be male, female, or neuter. And the word wisdom is really female. So 
Jesus is wisdom. I talked about the shack, well, last week, I guess, on Friday, about this man who came to a cabin and met the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he went up a hill, went into a cave, and he met wisdom. She was a woman on a throne, and they had a wonderful conversation. So wisdom is female, but Jesus is the wisdom of the world. In the streets, he's publicly speaking the word of God, and in the markets. At the head of the noisy streets, he cries out. At the entrance of the city, he speaks. Now, the entrance of the city, of course, would be the gate, namely where a lot of the elders often sit and discuss. So what is this poem about? This poem is about God's understanding of reality. That is what wisdom truly is speaking of. And verses 22 and 23 are probably familiar to you if you've been listening to Law and Gospel for any length of time. Let me go through them and then explain. Verse 22, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Now, the Hebrew word is best translated as people who are gullible. Who are gullible people? These are people that can be convinced to do evil things because it's in their best interest. In the last Proverbs, uh, the earlier study, we found out there were three reasons why people followed peers who were telling them to do evil. Number one, it was fun. It's kind of fun to break into a house, maybe steal some stuff. Number two, these people who are gullible want companionship, and therefore their fellow robbers give them that companionship. And number three, they're promised wealth. Of course, you break into a house and steal stuff, you can sell it. So wisdom is saying, yes, you are simple, you gullible people, and how long will you continue to be simple? Uh, let me give you an example of gullible people today. They may have even been in the church with their parents as children, but then they get involved with peers at school, listening to television, getting on the computer and looking at the wrong things, and they get the impression that once I love someone, then I can sleep with them, even though I'm not yet married to them. That's gullibility. That is a simple person who is going against the will of God that very clearly says, when you want to sleep with someone, then that means it's marriage. And when you don't do that, when you sin against that sixth commandment, adultery or fornication, then you will get negative consequences 
in your life. That's what wisdom says. In the same verse, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now, what's a scoffer? That's a mocker. How many times have you tried to explain maybe to a a fellow office worker or somebody in your neighborhood that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and they mock you? You don't really believe that. Nobody can rise from the dead once they are dead. And fools, the word fool in proverb always refers to an unbeliever. And they hate knowledge. That means they do foolish behavior because they're fools. So God is saying to the simple ones, the gullible ones, the scoffers and the fools, how long are you going to be like this? But then verse 23 says, if you turn at my reproof, now what does that mean? If you turn, what's a word we use when a person turns from evil? It's called repentance. And John the baptizer prepared the way of the Lord by turning people at his reproof. What was reproof? Warnings about how they were living a lifestyle that was contrary to the wisdom of God. And we sure have a lot of people doing that today in the United States. They don't like the lifestyle that God has in the scripture. But if they turn from their evil lifestyles, guess what? I will pour out my spirit to you. That's verse 23. Pour out, that's a verb used for when you're pouring out water. And the word spirit here is the only time in the book of Proverbs that the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And it's in a promise that as we repent of our sins, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, particularly in baptism, and I will make my words known to you. To know God's words is more than being able to quote the scripture. It means to understand the words. A good example would be, and I've said this before, Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. How many pastors end up preaching that we need to go find the lost sheep. We need to bring them to church. We need to save them. No, Luke 15 isn't about evangelism. It's about justification. It's how you were saved. You were a lost sheep. Jesus found you. He put you on his shoulders and carried you home. So I I mentioned that Verse 22 and 23 might be familiar to you because the name of this program is Law and Gospel. Verse 22 is the law, accusing the simple ones, the mockers, 
and the fools that they're not listening to the wisdom of God. But then verse 23 is the gospel. If there is repentance, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the words of wisdom will become understandable for you. That's what I try and do in every sermon. I start off with a question that I believe most people will not know the answer to, even Lutherans. For example, last week, we are talking about John the baptizer. And of course, he's considered to be a wonderful person. In fact, Jesus says, no one born of a woman is greater than he. And so the question I ask the congregation, put your hand up if you are greater than John the baptizer. And of course, nobody put their hand up. But then the very next part of the verse where Jesus says, no one is greater than John the baptizer, except those who are in the kingdom are greater than John the baptizer. And then the whole sermon had to explain that, how every Christian is considered to be greater than John the baptizer. Well, that's how you do a sermon. You start off with a question that most people get wrong, and then you correct their old Adam understanding of that with their new Adam. And pastors don't have much problem because we know that Christians have been baptized and therefore have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just the pastor telling them, no, this is God's word. The Holy Spirit also convinced them. Now, verse 24 continues with why some people are so evil. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, you refuse to pay attention. This happens all often in a family. You have your son maybe or daughter going out on a date and you tell them, make sure you're home by 10 o'clock and they don't get home till 11.30 or 12. They refuse to listen to you. They were having fun. They did not pay attention. And wisdom says, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. You see this often in a movie where two people are going to meet and the one stretches out his hand to shake hands with the other and the other refuses to shake hands. Well, that's what God does. He stretches out his hand, which is none other than wisdom, Jesus Christ. By the way, that stretching out of my hand is also found in the book of Isaiah, that God stretches out his hand to us, but no one listens. Why? 25. The first word is because, which really means in light of this, this is why you are doing, why you are not heeding my stretched out hand because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Now, the word counsel also can be translated as advice. When God gives us advice, 
we're really talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, why does he give the Ten Commandments to people who are already believers that already have him as their God? Remember the Exodus passage, I am the Lord your God. I can prove it. I have taken you out of the land of Egypt. So we don't obey the commandments in order to get God to be our God. He's already our God. Why do we obey the commandments? Because they are his advice to us as to how a believer should behave in a fallen world. That's the advice of wisdom. And yet, very few people listen to his warnings or follow his advice. Verse 26 was interesting to me. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Now, this is God speaking to fools who are unbelievers. The idea of laughing at our calamity also occurs in Psalm 2, Psalm 37, Psalm 59, and he will mock us when terror strikes us. What does that mean? God will make fun of you, and terror will strike you. Now, the word terror here doesn't refer to the terror we have about God, who could send us to hell. This is a different Hebrew word, and it means the fear you have when you panic. Now, that terror is said to be removed in a believer. So we don't have to be fearing terror because God will take care of us. 27, when terror strikes you like a storm, and by the way, the word there for storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, that's the Hebrew word used today to refer to the Holocaust of the Jews and Hitler. So when distress and anguish come upon you. Now, it's very clear from wisdom that every time you sin, you will get a negative consequence and it will lead to distress and at times anguish. And that means that sin has negative consequences. For example, you might rob a bank, get arrested, and it doesn't matter who the judge is, even if you say you're sorry, you'll still get time in jail. That's the consequence. It's a consequence that occurs in the world. But in the spiritual realm, guess what? You're forgiven if you have repented of that sin. Why, therefore, do these things happen where God does not answer? They will call upon me in verse 28, but I will not answer. They will seek for me diligently, but will not find me. Uh, by the way, that's words of Jesus himself in John chapter 7, verse 32 and following. And why will God not answer? Verse 29, 
because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They instead feared the opinions of other people and they wanted to look good in their eyes. So they would have none of my counsel, verse 30, none of my advice. They despised all my reproof, all my warnings. Therefore, now here comes the consequences of when we sin. They shall eat the fruit of their way and will be gorged of their own devices. You know, when you eat too much, you get a stomach ache. Well, eating the fruit of the way means you're on the wrong way. In other words, the fruit that you're eating is bad fruit. It may be infected with some kind of virus or disease, etc. But even when people say, when I was picking peaches uh, on trees when I was a kid, that there were many times I was told which peach to pick and which one to leave alone. Verse 32 is really good. For the simple-minded are killed by their turning away. That means by their apostasy. The simple-minded are the gullibles. Now, the gullibles are probably the most easy, perhaps, to move to faith in Jesus Christ because they might listen to you. But the complacency of fools destroys them. The complacency of fools means they have no concern for you. They just want to use you. And so they get you to follow them because they promise you wealth. So that's what happens to the simple-minded who follow the lack of concern of fools. You are destroyed. But whoever listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease without dread of disaster. What does that mean? Wisdom, to listen to wisdom, means to be comforted by the promises that wisdom gives. And that's really important. Go to a proper Christian funeral and you won't hear the comfort. Well, we all know he was such a good man. That's why he's going to heaven. No, nobody is that good. He's going to heaven because Jesus was a good man who died for his sins. Now, I mentioned that this is the first poem written by Solomon. He has two more of them in Proverbs. How is it a poem? It's a chiasmic structure. What does that mean? Well, if you take a look at the poem, there's nine parts to it. Verses 20 and 21, then verse 22, verse 23, 24 and 25, etc. All the way to the end. Now, what is a chiasm? The first line, wisdom addresses crowds, is the same as the last line in verse 33. Wisdom addresses crowds. And you can go down each section. Number two, wisdom calls out to fools. The second last line, 
Wisdom speaks of the destruction of fools. Then you get wisdom's invitation and offer. And the third last line, the consequences of not accepting wisdom's invitation. Then the fourth one, wisdom's offer is rejected. And the fourth last line, wisdom's reaction to those who reject her offer. You always go to the center of a chiasm because that is really what the poem is about. And it's wisdom's condemnation, verses 26 and 27. Just take a look at that poem and you'll see the first and the last lines agree, the second and the second last lines agree all the way to the middle. It's a chiasmic structure inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach us what? Why God does not listen to fools because they're not calling on him. They may think they're calling on God, but they're really calling on the devil. So that concludes Proverbs uh, chapter 1, 20 to 33. Proverbs is a great book to understand how God thinks and how God wishes you to behave. But your behavior doesn't get you to heaven. You behave because on your way to heaven already. Join us tomorrow for Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.